0: Well, today we are going to do a message on the resurrection because it's Easter. I mean, right? If you don't do that as a pastor, you messed up, right? (laughs) Now, I will tell you this. As a pastor, it also feels like a sermon that people have maybe heard before, right? So he died. He was buried in the tomb. He resurrected on the third day. Pastor, I think I know where you're going this week. I'm going to mess with you a little bit. We're going to be looking at John chapter 20. We are going to be looking at the Easter story. We're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But I've got something that I don't know if you've heard on Easter morning. We're going to look a little bit about what happened on Easter night. And the reason why is because I think that there's probably a lot of people in the room that when they think of the resurrection and Easter, there's a little part of them that are like, well, I wish that was true. And I heard a pastor this week say this, in order to believe something is true, you have to start by wishing it would be true. You have to actually start by going like, could you imagine if Jesus rose from the dead? And actually on that Easter day, I think the disciples were about to read about we're a little bit more at the spot of, I wish it was true than I know it was true. And so I want us to look at this story in John chapter 20, verse 19. I think it's coming here on the screen. It says, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Okay? So I, I want you to think a little bit about what happened on this weekend if you were one of the disciples. If you were one of the disciples, last Thursday you were having a meal with Jesus. We call it the Lord's Supper, the common table. You're eating the meal, okay? They go to pray at night, One of your closest friends betrays your rabbi with a kiss. Roman soldiers come, arrest him. You run your hide. If you're Peter, you're denying people. And literally on that Friday by three o'clock, the person you've been following, the person you've loved the most in your life, is hanging on a tree being crucified. Would you say that's a traumatic week in your life? By Saturday, there's disbelief. They're running. On Sunday morning, early, the disciples get a report from Mary that says Jesus is risen. I don't know what kind of disciple you are, I do know what kind I am. I would have been like, oh, honey, I miss him too. How many are that disciple? Come on. Can we say that in church? Are we allowed to go? There could be some doubt. I have some questions. Last time I heard 10 out of 10 people die, they stay dead. You're saying someone didn't? Come on. I'm that disciple. Somebody, it's so funny. People think, oh, you're a pastor because just hook, line, and sinker. You just believe everything. Oh, no. I'm a pastor because I had incredible doubts. I've read hundreds of books because I wanna believe in something that I know in my bones is true. I think the disciples were at this spot where they were wishing it was true and Jesus appears to them and he responds, peace be with you. I think it was the moment where they're like, are you serious? This is, this is happening. I wrote down eight reasons why I wish Easter is true. One, proves God is real. Two, it proves what the scriptures say, that God truly loves me, that God is at work in this world. I mean, I try to avoid the news as much as possible because all it does is make me upset. You listen to the most upset people talk about things that are upsetting and then i get upset and i upset my wife and we get in arguments and we have a thing and i'm like why but what i know is this there are real problems in this world and i want to believe that god is at work in the lives of the people who are in charge of me the resurrection being real it means this that death is not the end Can I just say that's such good news for me? I cannot wait for the day that I see my grandma and grandpa. I miss him. My grandpa died, I think, almost 18 years ago. I still miss him. I want to see him again. I believe, I hope. The story of the resurrection means this. Evil in our world doesn't win. It means this. We don't suffer alone. It means our lives have eternal significance, that there's a purpose and a meaning to what I'm doing on this planet. I need to know that that's true in my heart. If all I do is live, die, and I'm fertilizer, it's not enough for my soul. I wish it was true because I believe this, I was made for more. I believe you're made for more. And that first Easter night for the disciples, I think that they were at the spot that they had heard Mary's report, that they were wishing it was true, they were hoping it would be true, but in the reality, they were paralyzed with fear, and they were afraid of what was going to happen to them, and it was in that moment, suddenly they found Jesus standing among them. And can I just tell you, I, I do not think Easter is the day where a pastor tells you it's true. I think Easter can happen any day. And I think Easter is the day where Jesus shows up in your midst. That's the day. And I bet if we lined up a bunch of people, they would tell the story in their language, in their way, about how a God who knew them personally showed up in their life. For the disciples, on that Easter evening, Jesus showing up among them, standing there saying, Peace be with you. Was that moment for those disciples? That was the moment. And I, I just think that right now we live in this culture where we just wonder if God is like for us, if God is with us. I, I wonder if you think if Jesus showed up in your life today, what would he say? If I was one of those disciples who had just experienced everything that they experienced, I think Jesus might have showed up and said, Hey, what are you guys doing? Why are you hiding? Why are you afraid? Don't you remember that time on the boat? Peter, you denied me. What's your problem? Can't you stick with stuff? Like, I I think that's his, in my mind, I think that's how Jesus talks. Is that more about me than about the Jesus we read in the Bible? Jesus shows up and he doesn't have that voice at all. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. We need that voice in our heart and in our life. I think the challenge we have is um, we live with so much white noise, it's hard to hear the voice. White noise. Now, I need to take a little poll here. Um, How many sleep with some kind of white noise? Can you just be honest? Raise your hand. Okay. How many are like vampires? And you just lay down in silence Folded cross, no sound in the room, and go to sleep. You must have the clearest conscience on the earth. My wife introduced me to white noise early on in our marriage. My bedroom sounds like a wind tunnel. She doesn't have, like, a little fan. She has the biggest stinking fan. She sticks in the window and cranks it, and she literally goes in and tries to find the loudest fan she can find. I mean, loud, loud, right? White noise. I I did a study. 44% of Americans have trouble going to sleep. 32% of those Americans use some form of white noise. Okay, some people, they use white noise, like, anybody use, like, rain, waterfall? All of that just makes me have to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, no way, right? White noise. White noise, I think, is the thing that cancels out all the other voices that we can hear. And I just wonder if our culture we live in, so much is that we have so much white noise that it is hard for jesus to show up and i believe if jesus were to show up in your life he would respond with peace be with you i think peace is one of those things that everybody's searching for and we're all looking in the wrong place we think if i can just get another vacation if i could buy that new car right All last week, my kids were gone, and I was trying to talk my wife into a motorcycle. She said, no, I feel like it would bring me peace. (laughs) Peace be with you. Jesus is where we go to to find peace. On that day where the disciples who had experienced and saw so much trauma had gone through so much with Jesus, Jesus shows up. He's standing among them. He says, peace be with you. This is what our world needs. And I wonder if white noise is the reason why we're not hearing it. We have a whole group of people like me laying in bed with the wind tunnel on trying to block out all the voices. And all Jesus wants to say to me is, peace be with you. John 20, 20, it says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his sides. Like they're like, look, Jesus is alive. And what I think is so fascinating is when Jesus comes, what did he want to show his disciples? That he was real, that there were wounds. I don't know if you've ever thought about having the power of resurrection. I have. I don't know if I would heal myself with wounds. I think I don't want the wounds, right? I'm getting at the age where the scars that I did when I was in kindergarten are showing up on my face at 45. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I would rather not have those wounds, those scars. Jesus says, I want to show you the wounds. I want you to put your hands there. I want you to touch them. Two things I love. I wrote this down. One, Jesus shows them the wounds. Why? Because he wants to show them that there is something real on this earth about the struggle and the challenge. The other thing I think is so powerful is that one Jesus has wounds, that the resurrected Son of God has wounds. Wounds are important. They're the thing that we face in our life. If you live this life for any length of time, you're going to have some wounds. Some wounds you can see physical on your body. Some wounds are internal. You can't see. Three years ago, my wife's biological mom passed away. It was not a sad day for her. It was an angry day because they were distraught. They didn't get together. There were moments in my wife's childhood where her mom was supposed to protect her and didn't. And she faced abuse and anger and that woman blamed my wife for her childhood pain. Anger, wounds. When she passed away, our counselor described it like a shopping cart full of pain that just got tipped over and all the pain of her childhood spilled out everywhere. Wounds, internal wounds, you can't see. For two years, Janine would show up at church on Sunday and they would sing the, God, the song about a good God and she couldn't sing and she's a pastor's wife. Because the wounds were real. The pain is real. If you live any kind of life, it's real. She processed it. She was mad at Jesus about it. He was strong enough that she could be mad at him. She walked through that pain. She came to a place of peace and healing. And her wounds now have become a story of what Christ is doing in and through her. Wounds are an important part of the journey of a human life. And Jesus knows it. When he shows up, he says, peace be with you. Let me show you my scars. It's kind of a dangerous small group question. But if you ever go to a small group and you show someone your scars, do you know what they'll do? They'll start telling you their stories. You you want to see my scar? Look at this right here, man. I broke my femur in kindergarten, and they drilled something all the way through my bone, right? And you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't come for that, right, you know? It's scary, but here's the thing. We relate to wounds because we all have them. And Jesus wants you to know that the wounds you have are not wounds that you've suffered on your own, that he is with you and among you in those. Powerful. I asked my wife this week, I said, honey, why do you wish the resurrection is true? She said, because I believe there's a day I'm going to see my fully healed self. I believe there's a day I'm going to see my fully healed self. That's why I wish it was true. That's why I wish it's true. How many know there's just a part of you that just knows there's this gap that I just can't get through or go through. And sometimes it's my wounds and my pain. And we need Jesus to say, peace, I'm going to carry you through those moments. You're going to see your fully healed self alive. The disciples, they see that with Jesus. He says to them again, peace be with you. How many would need to hear it more than once? How many would say, I've heard it a hundred times and I would love to hear it again? Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He takes all our fears, all our doubts. And then he says that he breathes the power of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. And I, I literally picture his breath like when a baby breathes their first breath. There is something powerful about it. I've had three kids. First baby born, came out crying, breath happened. Second baby born, came out crying, breath happened third baby born, came out silent, dad got scared. My first daughter did not breathe for the first three minutes of her life. And I didn't breathe for three minutes either. And I remember watching them walk over the neonatal team all over on this moment. And in my head, I'm just going, breathe, breathe. And when I heard that first breath, I started to cry, and then I passed out. (laughs) Because I wasn't breathing either. (laughs) We know breath is important. We know it matters. And there's something about peace and breath that are connected. And as Jesus breathed on them, I think there was a peace that came over them that said, I am not alone, that this world has significance, and death can be conquered. All of that happens and one of the disciples misses it. Do you ever feel like you're that disciple? Like you come home, you've been working all day and everybody's like, you're not gonna believe what happened, right? We saw this person, they showed up, you're like, what? Come on. The guy's name is Thomas. Thomas, the disciple, he misses it. They tell him the whole story. He was here, I saw him, we touched the wounds, he breathed, it was awesome. And, decide, and Thomas is a little bit like me. He's like, no, dead people don't come back to life, guys. And he doubles down, which I would do. How many are mouth first people? You're like, I'm doubling down on this, guys. He, this is what he says. He says, one of, the, uh, one of the 12, it's Thomas, his nickname is the twin, and not the, uh, uh, not what, he was not with the others. He says, we have seen the Lord. Thomas says this, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hand, put my fingers into them, and place my hands into the wounds by his side. Doubles down. Thomas, right? Some of you are like, man, I double down on this one, man. I'm not gonna, I gotta see it. I get that. I think I'm that disciple. I have doubts. I have worries. Eight days later, The disciples were together, verse 26. At this time, Thomas was standing with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly before them, Jesus was standing there. And what does Jesus say? Peace be with you. Thomas sees Jesus. Thomas puts his hands in his wounds. Thomas experiences the peace the other disciples Half. Can I just tell you, I don't know that Easter happens on one Sunday for everybody. Some of you are eight days later, Thomas people. Some of you are 163,000 days later, Thomas people. Thomas puts his fingers there, looks at, looks at my hands, puts his hands in the wounds. He says, don't be faithless any longer, believe. Thomas responds, my Lord, my God. Thomas is famous. He's a twin. He was known as Doubting Thomas. Somewhere along the way, we got this idea that you can't put your faith in Jesus and not have doubts. I believe that doubts are the antibodies to faith. That if you want to have genuine, real faith that lasts and is strong, you better have doubt. You need doubt. Doubt has this way of driving. It has this way of learning. And if anybody tells you they have no doubts, I think they're lying. Doubt is a part of faith. One of my hero faith pastors, his name is Tim Keller, wrote hundreds of books. Pastor in New York, Redeemers Presbyterian Church. Amazing preached on the resurrection in Easter probably 50 years in a row. He says, I believe in the resurrection, then I got cancer and I had some doubts. He said, I had to believe it deeper. I had to believe it deeper. I don't think our faith ever just is finished, tied up with a little bow because our wounds are really real. I think there are moments where we have something happen in our life and we're saying I believe but now I have some doubts and I'm asking Jesus to help me believe it deeper helping me believe it deeper I watched my wife walk through the pain and tragedy of the loss of her mom and I watched as that pain drove her to believe in the power of resurrection, the power of peace in the middle of pain, deeper. Your faith doesn't just end, it continues to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. As we close today, I think there's three responses that I want you to think about. The first is this, is I think some of you are in a season where you're saying, God, I have doubts and I'm asking you to help me believe it deeper this year. Like, that's gonna be your journey. I'm helping, I, I, I wanna learn how to believe it deeper. I need your help with it. Two, I think maybe you know someone who has some doubts. Doubts are a part of life. I started at the very beginning by talking about a wish. And I know some of you were disappointed, you're like, Brandon, wish, it's stronger than a wish it's amazing, is for the Hebrew word for wish is hope. Did you know that? The Hebrew word for wish is hope. It's hope. And Americans, we think of wish as fanciful. We think of it as like, like, oh yeah, I wish that was true. That'd be great. Let's go eat some food, right? It's Easter. Let's hunt some eggs. For them, the word wish is hope. And for them, hope is this picture of a rope. It's the thing that they're hanging on through, through the wounds of the life. It's the thing that they're hanging on to through the struggles. It's the thing that they hang on to when they have doubts and say, God, I need to believe it deeper. It's actually the hope that gets them through the difficult moments. It's the hope that actually allows them to plow through the white noise of this world... And hear Jesus say, peace be with you. I'm among you today. I'm alive today. One of the most powerful things you can do if you're on a faith journey, trying to figure out, wishing it were true, is to ask people, where have you seen Jesus show up among you? To hear their stories, to hear their Journey actually allows you to be again to be open to when Jesus may show up and it becomes Easter for you. For maybe some of us today, this Easter is that moment where Jesus is showing up in your life, where you might literally say, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I invite you to take that step today, to put your faith and trust in Him. I think all of us are on this journey of faith. And it looks different for every human because every one of our stories are completely new, um, completely different. And Jesus helped, I believe, create you. He understands you. He knows your journey and you can trust him. Today I encourage you to take that wish and turn it into a rope that gets you through whatever circumstance you're in and to put your faith and trust in it. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer?